Happy Tuesday, Teresa. Thank you, Jenny. Happy Tuesday to you. Thank you. Hey, welcome to Monsters Lounge. Thank you. Yeah, and everybody out there, welcome to Monsters Lounge. I'm really, really excited tonight because I get to learn pretty much the entire episode because we are focusing on things that I don't know much about. Oh. Um, I know, I'm bringing shame to my name <laughs> at the moment house. by admitting that I don't know a lot about UFOs, uh, any, a lot of ancient alien stuff. Like, We're both going to learn a lot because a billion times more than both she of us. She knows so much. Yeah. Our guest tonight is Brittany Barbieri, and she is a ufologist. She's a cryptozoologist. She's a paranormal investigator. She knows so many things. There are so many things that she's been a part of. She's been in the business for over 20, 20 years, which I don't. Yeah. And if you, like I, have started to check her Instagram all of the time, you see all of these amazing photos of where she's been, things that she's up to. It's really cool. She's an avid researcher, which is amazing. I love it. She's been studying ancient astronaut theory, time-bending time slips, giants, Nephilim, interdimensional beings, portals, UFO hotspots, and so many more. So please, Tressa. Yes. Help me welcome Brittany. Okay, here she is. Yay! Yay! Wow, 20 years. You started when you were like three, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank You're you. Welcome, Jesus. What? So, you know, fountain of youth I found here in Florida, ladies. Oh, <laughs> Thank that you for makes that. Sense. I, I appreciate that. Right on. So move to Florida is, I think, pretty much what you just told us to do. Yes. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Awesome. Sunshine. Yeah. Pretty nice. <laughs> Sunshine, alligators, skunk I, I, No, it's fine. Yeah. No, we have it all. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. I don't live too far from one of like the skunky places to find him. I'm I'm not too far from the Ocala National, so it's, you know. Oh. Fancy. He's, he's right outside, you know. I meet him I up like later. <laughs> I don't know why I I absolutely thought you were gonna say this. <laughs> the I totally thought you were gonna say the skunk ape reserve. Oh, <laughs> You know, it's funny. We do have like a skunk ape reserve. Actually, it's down uh, down towards the Everglades. Uh, yeah, they. I, he's yeah. Yeah, they do. Have. Well, like, oh. not like it's not like you can go see a Sasquatch, but it's an area that's considered a hotspot that it's kind of okay. formed over the years. Yeah, it's not like a federal reserve or anything. It's just yeah. you know, if you want to go see them, you might. <laughs> you you might. Yeah, but I mean, yes. think of how cool that would be, though. Uh, amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I would be there tomorrow for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Even me. Yeah. Uh, yep. Maybe <laughs> I'll pick you up friend. at the airport. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Exactly. Yeah. No. Nope. Before I get too far down into the Bigfoot and variations of Bigfoot, uh, mm -hmm. since I talk about that all of the time, mm -hmm. let's get into some UFOs and aliens. <laughs> oh, okay. Too <laughs> <laughs> attached to that, or are you just like. Broadly, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's I'm, do it either way. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. My first question, because I saw something that that you did based around underwater alien bases. Mm -hmm. I would like to know about these things. I don't know anything. It's like Start I know that there's the yeah that there's reports that they have like submersible vehicles. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And that there are some down there and and i know that there's theories that they use water to move around sort of undetected and they use causeways and underwater rivers and things i really like the idea of aliens having like <laughs> like in wisconsin they have those duck vehicles that go in the water <laughs> the land but the aliens they can go in the water and fly in outer space that's makes me happy so. yeah it's pretty good it's pretty good can you tell us a little bit about this yeah, absolutely. So in the sense of like the <clears throat> what the object you're talking about in particular um, that has been around for quite some time is called a USO. So an unidentified submergible object. And so these basically are objects that are seen in our airspace, but also can go right through water, slicing water as if it's like not even splashing it. Like it just has the ability to almost slice right through it. Um, there's been theories and I think it was like between 81 to 84 that there was a way to find wormholes inside of the oceans, like 
the sea foam bubbles that there are like actual quantum physics behind that theory that back it that if we had the ability through high advanced technology we might be able to basically harness this and create a large wormhole out of multiple air pockets within that sea foam um, that builds up within the ocean and then the theory was well if it closes they're going to close the wormholes close so fast you know but there was a way to actually keep the neck of the wormhole open long enough to basically transport through. So if we're thinking that it's possible that these advanced uh, non-human intelligent species might be utilizing the ocean as a way of a portal, then it's possible they've already housed that technology, learned how to do it over many, many years. And like I've said in a lot of my lectures when I speak on this, I don't think that the, the ones that we believe are coming from other planets are the ones that are already inhabiting our planet in the oceans. I think they're two separate complete different entities altogether. So they originated here on Earth? I think they were here before we were, yeah. Like, I okay. think that this could have possibly been their own planet first, and mm. we're just kind of cohabitating, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Just based off of, again, like ancient astronaut theory and a lot of the advanced technology and the way that they spoke about certain things. And if you look back through time, we had these really interesting ancient cities that would like pop up and disappear. Um, and a lot of the times the information that was provided was very advanced technology. I always bring up Atlantis because that, again, was a very advanced civilization. And I, I don't believe that it was just this story that was passed down and told. I do believe it really was part of an advanced civilization. But where did those people go? Right. And it, I was just it about really, to ask if that yeah. had anything to do with Atlantis. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it is plausible. What about the theory that that it's actually like the eye of the Sahara? Like, have you seen this where where the Sahara has been so unexplored and there's like a there's like a structure that looks very similar to to what Atlantis was reported mm -hmm. to look like? And that at one point it was kind of like a town. Yeah. Mm -hmm. or civilization. There's a yeah. lot of those. Like I haven't personally seen that one in particular, but mm -hmm. when I did the study on like trying to find Atlantis, there was a lot of speculation of where it could be. And a lot of it, of course, was there was a tsunami that probably most likely took it out, um, which is absolutely probably very possible of what actually happened. But there would be remnants of those that were there during that event. And there isn't. So yeah. as far as like the sites that we have seen that are believed to possibly be active sites of what would have been Atlantis, they just don't hold any remnants of active life in the sense that there were people there. And basically based off writing, it was almost like the people of Atlantis knew this was going to happen. And they were just gone the next day. And that's a lot of people to just all of a sudden vanish. Yes. Right. That's a lot of planning. Yeah. We were just talking about this last week. Uh, every time someone finds something with sonar where there's a continent underneath the ocean, just a little bit, like a few hundred feet, they're like, oh, maybe that was Atlantis. <laughs> and it's like, well, it just because it's a continent that was there doesn't mean it was Atlantis. <laughs> like, there is probably a different thing. <laughs> Not everything everywhere is Atlantis, you guys. Yeah. Right. No, See, they I just totally so badly want to find it. They just yeah. so badly want to find it. And I can't oh, yeah. blame them for that because it's like you have this incredible city that had such incredible knowledge and advanced technologies. And, and to be able to find that so that even if it's underwater, just to be able to see it, um, the structures, how they did advance. I mean, we know that in the past, like, and it's really overlooked unless you study it, but like Egyptians and Rome and Greek, I mean, they all had such advanced technologies for their time that we're still learning today how advanced they were, you know? And so I think we really should pay attention to that because we were getting really advanced and then we hit this dark age. Why did we hit this dark age? Like, why were we getting to the point of making computers in Greeks and then now we've got nothing. We're back to like lanterns. Like what happened? So there's a lot of questions there for me on was something providing information? Was something trying to help us advance, but then realize the advanced tech that they were giving us was only making us worse as a human race because we were using it as power towards one another to fight one another and create war. And that's not really what it was said to be given to us for, mm -hmm. you know? And so it makes me wonder with that knowledge because that's kind of said in like Aztec culture. 
about these star beings and things like that, about the information provided to them to help them thrive and survive. You know, so that it makes me wonder on those aspects when you start putting those pieces together. It's like, was they just unplugged? They're like, forget it. You guys, like, we're done. (laughs) This is such a waste of time. Like, we're not even wasting our time on you anymore because you're using it for the wrong. You're going to destroy your planet and we're trying to prevent Mm -hmm. you from doing that. Like, this is how we can fix this. And and each other. Like, y- you yeah. guys. So yeah, yeah. Calm, exactly. Calm down, exactly. So we developed separately, or was there a design? Is that what one of these theories is? Is that we were designed and created or urged along the path by by some sort of ancient, like, alien astronaut type person or... It's, it's, or we evolved and and they just kind of watched us evolve. Well, there's a bunch of those theories. And, I, you know, again, they're all theories for a reason. You know, they're trying to find a link of some sort. You know, like if you look at our modern day science, there's only really two explanations for where the human life came from. So you have the Darwin theory of we mm-hmm. came from a type of specimen. What was that specimen? So where would we have branched off from and X, Y, Z? Then you have the creationist theory that we just during the Big Bang, everything just appeared. We're all here. So I think that there's a lot of people that are in the alien community that also have theorized, well, what if there was a type of extraterrestrial being or being from another planet that brought the life to this planet on purpose to try and colonize it and, you know, basically help their I don't want to say humanity because I mean, well, technically, I guess it would be if these aliens are more like humans, too. You know, we don't really know the adaption and things like that. So, you know, I mean, there's been speculation that like even in terms of Noah's Ark, Noah's Ark was actually little vials of DNA, possibly. um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't actually like two animals or everything like it was actually like a a bank of DNA. And that's how it was. So there's all these really weird theories that are interesting to ponder on or think about. But it does come back to a, um, you know, like a higher intelligent being that brought life to this planet and then watched us interact and involved and in certain times felt needing to interject. Let's help and figure this out. For instance, let's go to Egypt. So if you go to Egypt, the over the years, they've learned that sound may have actually helped build the pyramids in Egypt. So by understanding that sound can move objects, we are just still learning this. But NASA had tapped into this in the 80s. They had learned that they could move rockets with sound. And they actually experimented and had success with this. It was only a couple of feet off the ground, but it was successful. And so to us, that's like, wow, that's mind blowing. But to find out that ancient Egyptians were already using sound to move a lot of these stones and do a lot of movement within these basic pyramids that are aligned to the star system tells me that they were far more superior or getting information from somewhere. So either they were using more percentage of their brain that they were given and they were expanding and doing the best that they could and trying to make their own people evolve faster and stronger, or they were getting information from somewhere. And where was Mm -hmm. that somewhere and who was that from? So it's very interesting when you start finding these pieces and they were storytellers for us for a reason. They would leave their life history out on the walls for us to see this is this person's life. This is what happened. And even though they had their own gods and everybody had a purpose, there were some interesting stories in there of like King Tut's father who had an experience who all of a sudden decided, no, there's not all these gods. There's one God. Mm -hmm. This one God created all of us. And he jumps over the river and starts a whole new colony with this new practice, which was against what some of the Egyptians were following at the time. So it's very fascinating that you see all these things like through their own experiences of whatever reason they had, you start seeing some of these strange happenings within patterns that you're like, what the heck could that mean? You know? So it's very fascinating. It's a horrible wormhole. If you want to go down. <laughs> it sounds like the best. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I can think of that's comparable uh, in, in my own life is, is looking at so many of the indigenous peoples and first peoples like lore surrounding cryptids and things mm-hmm. along those lines where there's so many stories. And, and if you look, there are so many stories and so many similarities, but I'm, I'm not going to go back into Bigfoot or anything, but. Um, <laughs> well, obviously you know but, that you I know, love Bigfoot, so it's okay. Yeah, so, so, baby. so, you know, that's the only thing that I can compare it to because again, like I'm, I'm so uneducated as far as, as far as the, the alien civilizations go. It's weird. It's weird. I mean, it's it took a lot for me because I started out in just 
the paranormal aspect of like ghosts and cryptids because I grew up in Estes Park, Colorado. You had a lot of native people up there. You had a lot of the wild men as we called it, but they weren't Sasquatch. They were like actual men that lived off the land. They were the wild men and they encountered a lot of stuff and would share those stories, you know? And so it was very fascinating for me. And it was like, in my household, we always would talk about the weird stuff or if like we had a thought or a theory, you know, we would discuss it out. You know, I think that comes a lot from having like an Irish background too, where the folk and legend and lore was so enriched. Yeah. So it's kind of like you don't turn yourself off of it just because science says it's not real. You know, like you, you still have to push that boundary a little bit because science could be wrong tomorrow. So it's like, you know, a certain part of science could be wrong tomorrow, depending on what field you're studying. And so I always really appreciated that. And so growing up, I was that that kid that was so headstrong to like, if somebody told me this isn't possible, I was like, well, forget you. I'm going to prove that it is. <laughs> you know, like I was always very headstrong. I was just always that person. Like it didn't matter. And so when I would read theories or thesis on different types of cryptids or in the ufology and just different things, even in the paranormal with parapsychology, I used to get annoyed with parapsychology because I was like, in, in parts, I'd be like, I agree with that. And then on another part, so I'm like, you just contradicted yourself. Now you're calling this person crazy. Like, so it would just drive me mad to the point where I'm like, the only reason I'm learning this is so that I better understand some areas of the paranormal mm -hmm. scope, like poltergeist, you know, of where it came mm -hmm. from. But all the other stuff, I'm like, I'm not going to go open my own practice and like tell somebody, let's have a deep conversation and then I'm telling them they're crazy because they may not be, you know, I've seen enough to know that maybe they're just not. Yeah. So, you know, like, I always took it and found holes. I found the holes in science and I immediately was drawn to them to go, well, that doesn't make any sense. So I'll find a theory that might make more sense. And I, I was always found it interesting that when I did that, they didn't like it. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> it was always like, but then no, 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 no. That's just not right. I'm like, no, 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 no. But Darwin actually didn't say that. Like, do you have his book? Mm -hmm. He didn't actually say that. <laughs> like, they're like, what? <laughs> like, you know? like, it's just funny. Like, I just always would find yeah, those holes. Woman. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just, you know, I mean. You don't contradict by saying you're a woman. And also. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, get it. Yeah. I was just like, okay, buddy, where's your monocle? So, <laughs> you know. All right. Now, listen, I really enjoy the monocle. I but do, I do understand I, the joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Monocle. Anytime I think of a monocle, like I totally love a good monocle. Don't get me wrong. Oh, or a good so pocket good, watch. Right? Yes. Yeah. Pocket watches. Like, yes. come on. Oh, that, that those the are best. the best. Come I like, almost feel like I need one just all the time to be like, hold on. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Let me just. Listen, you know what? Just put a chain on your phone. Same thing. Oh, it does not the same no. feeling, though. If it's, I had a you good pair of Jankos, I could. <laughs> you have a pair of Jankos, and then you put your phone onto a chain in the Jankos. Now you're somebody special. See, listen, same wavelength. Yeah, I get listen. It. I don't know if anybody else wore Jankos in their senior portrait. I did not. But no I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jankos. I had two pair. I was so pumped about my Jankos. They're amazing. Yep. Yes. Yep. And I would like a monocle all the time because sometimes you just really want to look closely at stuff. You do. And it's with, very, one, yeah, eye. with one eye. Because these just don't always work so well in a pocket. No. And like if you just have one, you're like, okay, let me. You got it. It's right there. Take right a there. better look at that. <laughs> I think I think that's Precisely. honestly the way to go. I love it. I freaking love it. Yeah. All right. We'll bring yep, it back. We'll brand them. We'll, be in the we'll right, make it women's fashion. It. I think it'd be adorable to <laughs> yes, make it like a woman's please. fashion. <laughs> I'm into yeah. it. Let's, let's flip that thing. coin. I think that'd be hilarious. Like shirts with actual pockets specifically for it for women. <sighs> and then like Jeez. you see these women professors be like, hold on. <laughs> How do you feel now? Like, <laughs> you know, like, the tables have turned. <laughs> Finally, a use for those tiny, tiny pockets. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Still don't make sense. <laughs> no, none of them make sense. They're so wrong. Ah. <sighs> Back to the underwater yeah. thing. So when you're talking about yeah. sea foam, um, are you yeah. talking about like just kind of the stuff that collects like uh, when when the waves come in? Or are you talking about like the larger sort of pockets that we're sometimes finding in between like Both. layers of the ocean? Okay. Both. Yeah. I mean, like the foam itself is a type of different type of foam. But mm -hmm. when they were um, looking at it, there's like a pocket of layer between that foam and the water. And within that layer, there's these tiny micro bubbles that make these crazy patterns. And those were the ones that in the 80s, they were speculating could actually turn into wormholes, which is a lot like 
oddly enough, our space is a lot like the ocean. We find a lot of similar things. So that was something why they were saying, in theory, this could actually be plausible. And then they were testing it in a lab. There's actually a really good like 80s retro VHS special of it on YouTube that you can go back and watch. And I found it just completely fascinating after I had gone down that rabbit hole, reading about it, and then finding out that there was actually a video about it. And then I had to like Google search the hell out of that and somebody actually aired it. So I was like, oh my God. So to watch these guys break it down, it blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, because I study the ocean with USOs. I'm like, this makes a ton of sense. <laughs> like, wow. Especially if they know how to crap. I mean, granted, it would make a lot of sense understanding quantum physics. It doesn't make a lot of yeah. sense mm -hmm. if you see these vessels the size they are, you're like, okay. You get in this tiny bubble and that big thing is shooting through that. Now, wait a minute. But you have to understand, like, it would turn into one mass bubble that they harnessed. It wouldn't be like, they would actually mm -hmm. mass it into one large, and then they would know how to close it and open it when needed. So that's very interesting to me. And I always bring this up in my lectures. A lot of people aren't even aware of what are called X spots or X zones by NASA. And this study happened right before 2017, I think, was when they were going to launch the project. So they've been working on it for like four or five years prior. So if you go to NASA's website, it's actually at their website, you can actually find out about it um, by typing in their search bar of Xbox and if X spots, S-P-O-T. And if that doesn't work, do use zones. Either one will make it, which one, I don't remember exactly. But it shows these areas. And so on the, so if you're looking at our Earth, we have this area layer outside of our Earth. And within that layer were all these wormholes that were just popping up like portals and nobody knew why they were happening. Like they're happening within seconds, some 15 seconds, some 60 seconds, right? Like they're like, so NASA started paying attention to them. <clears throat> they started observing them and they're like, what does this mean? What happens if you go through one of these things? You know, like this is very interesting to me, like right at the base of like probably within 90 to 120,000 foot range into our, as we're heading to space is where these things were popping up in that atmosphere. And so it's like, well, what are they? And so NASA actually was trying to put together many bots to go into the wormhole to find out where it shoots out. And I found that extremely fascinating. But then when NASA closed down, because that was a sub project that wasn't really that important to, to any of the government or to NASA, that one never got refunded when NASA reopened. And I find that uh, extremely sad because I would like to know what those were, like as much as the NASA I scientists wanted to know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, you've just blown Tressa's mind. mind. She's just <laughs> not computing. Cycling. I don't even know how to put questions into question form right now. I, Jenny. All right. Yeah. So, I know. <laughs> so the one thing that I that I personally heard about, like the, the NASA zones, was in one of those things. Because, listen, I love the ocean. And mm -hmm. I love all of the weird stuff that happens in the ocean. And I love all of the ideas about things that we have yet to discover in the ocean. So Megalodon, also because I love sharks, is one of is one of my favorite little things ever. Uh, and I was watching. They're so, why are they Megalodon. so great? They're so great. I love it. They're so great. So I, I saw a little clip where they were talking about uh, NASA having having a zone in the ocean where they actually have a megalodon sort of enclosed, and there's been reports of divers who have seen that. Is that one of those zones that you're talking about? Are you talking about some of these areas that they've blocked off here too? Or as far as I know about the megalodon, even though I want this to be true, Shh. that was made up. <laughs> I I was pretty Jenny's sure. Originally, yeah, originally yeah. that was like from some conspiracy guy that like put it out just for his own. Yeah. Like, could this be? And then somehow it got caught, cut down to its fact. Like it was actually more of like, could this be what this subspace is out there and mm -hmm. what they're using it for? So I, I like it was a theory, but that it's not. It doesn't hold me. I didn't think so because in, in my heart of hearts, I, I knew that that wasn't going to be like the easy way of like, oh, look, we have him. He's in a plexiglass box. There First he is. Of all, <laughs> now, I am not saying, let me retract though. I am not saying mm -hmm. that Megalodon could not still exist. I am very much on the spectrum of, I I'm never going to be an armchair scientist. 
to where yeah. if I've never been in the area and I've never talked to locals and I've never observed, I'm yeah. not going to act like I know about the location or yes. anything about it. Google is not going to help me. I'm going to tell you right now. No. <laughs> TikTok will not no. help me. So no. I, I think <laughs> you have to like actually go to these areas. Yeah. And so, you know, having the Meg still be alive today is truly a dream come true for me, especially as a scuba diver. Like my husband thinks I'm mm -hmm. extremely nuts. He's a diver too, but he's like, honey, like we were just at a museum and I took like a ton of pictures of their replica of Megalodon. Cause I'm like to be under the belly of this beast, like just diving. Like it's the, the only time in your life, like outside of being next to a great white, which I love whites, but a Megalodon to, or even a Megatooth to be honest. But if to be next to a Megalodon, you're sitting under that. It doesn't care you're there, first of all. Those things are nope. man beasts. They're just like, whatever. Yeah. Please. You know, <laughs> I've been around for millions of years. I don't care about you. <laughs> you know, and it's like, but it's the first time in your life you actually realize how small you really are on a planet. So for mm -hmm. me, that's that's where I like to be humbled. So to be in the presence of something like that, like even a white, a large white, which with them discovering what they believe is really blue, the great white that they've been looking for and they think she's yeah. pregnant. Yeah. I'm beyond stoked, you know, just so excited about this because it's, and then I just saw, uh, it po it was an article this month, actually, that the first time, now this to me was strange because as a marine bio, I'm not a marine biologist, but I have friends that are. And as a marine biologist, I would assume that, we would have already had said documentation of great white um, pups in the wild, but we've never had one until now. Really? This year. Yeah. Someone with a drone what? actually got it on camera. And what's ex what's exciting to me is I think if the timelines add up, I don't know. So I'm, don't quote me anybody on anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no. But if the timelines were right, this could be Blue's baby based on the location in which they saw this baby, which oh. is incredible because then it would have confirmed she was pregnant and then this would have been her offspring. But that's not exactly what the article was saying, but being that she was pregnant and pretty, pretty pregnant, like about to go any day, yeah. if there's one pup, there's more. So they were actually able to capture the one pup and I just, to see a great white baby was the cutest thing ever. And oh my God, I, I you know, uh, come on. You have that to get, soon so as we're, as soon as we're I, off the you show, you I'm have gonna, to see it. You know yeah, I'm gonna... <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. Well, a fun shark fact, um, since I love them and you do too, which is awesome. Um, is so if you're if you're out in the ocean on the backside of the island of Catalina and you're heading up towards and out towards Hawaii, mm -hmm. not so much up, but just out towards Hawaii, um, there's a very strange magnetic pull that happens once a year in the middle of the ocean. Marine biologists, scientists, they've all speculated that no one has a an actual conclusion and they've been left puzzled um, regarding it because one time a year, every year, for whatever reason, this magnetic pulse shoots off and all the great whites within these regions will go to this pulse and circle for like <gasps> three or four days and then they release because they use magnetic yeah. you know, for, for a lot of what they do and so they're not sure if it disorients them and they just go there to figure it out. And then they're kind of stuck in this disoriented haze or phase for a bit. And then they shoot off. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a very fascinating thing for me. And I apply that to all the work at Catalina Island for myself because of the known activity there with a possibly being an actual underwater base on the backside of the island. So it's very I'm very oh. curious about why we have this pul magnetic pulsing that happens once a year. And interesting enough, it's not volcanic. There's nothing there mm -hmm. that would give any kind of reading in this. And it's not like, oh, it just happened one time. It's, it's every year at the same time. Yeah. And it's like almost on a clock. And they don't know why the sharks are like, hey, guys, it's time to go back and circle for four days. <laughs> like, they just don't. They don't. It's very bizarre. And they watch it. So it's called the Great White Cafe. That's okay. What they call it. That's very, which is very fascinating. A fantastic name, but yeah, yeah. I would, I would think no the fish. First... There's no food there. They don't go for food. There's no mating involved. I, no, there's nothing. nothing. No food. No, they're just disoriented, going in circles. Like they do not. 
they make speculations because they're like, we're just trying to figure it out. <laughs> like, I, I talked to marine biologists in California and they're like, it is the strangest thing. But, you know, at this point, we don't have a definitive answer or response to what we think as a plausible explanation is. We just have our own theories because none of it makes sense because there's no food direction there. There's no migrational pattern that there's no reason for them to go all together to this one spot to party for four days. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> oh man. It's just bizarre. That is so bizarre. Yep. We got to take a break while Jenny fills her pockets with magnets <laughs> while on her trip. <laughs> but we will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However... There are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on. And if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. Betterhelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. They're going to be so confused on the boat next week when I show up with magnets. What are you doing with all those magnets? Uh, Shut I'm up. Not, I'm, I'm diving. Not, uh, no, I'm not looking for sharks. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to the Great White Cafe, people. Just leave me alone. It's just, just leave me alone. I'm going to bring them it's to me. Side, it's it's great. I'm start one right here. You guys are going to be so happy. <laughs> I freaking love it. I do. I love it. I would imagine there would be bases there. I mean, why wouldn't there be? First of all, it's the coolest place in the world. And if you were stopping by and visiting for a little while, like, why would you not want to be there? It's but true. then there's that's her people. Yeah, there's there's so much stuff that we just don't understand, and there's so much space that we haven't been. Are there spots like Catalina, like that are sort of not known bases, but but theorized known bases? And yeah, I mean there are, but it's not as prominent as Catalina Island has really kind of been the center hub just based off activity. A discovery I made last year, which I found just, I was so pumped up. It was when I was at the Roswell, the annual incident, um, the Roswell convention. And I was in there and um, I had been up doing, I always do research. Like I can't help it. My brain never shuts off. I have a thought and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's a, I need to look that up. And then I go through books and then I get lost and it's just ridiculous. That's why I still have a library card and why I'm still allowed into like going on through online newspapers. <laughs> I'm a nerd. It is what it is. So late one night, because I love Catalina, I truly love Catalina. I think that it is truly, as Jules Verne put it, the mysterious island. It just is. It comes out with a ton of stuff all the time, left and right, from, you know, portals to mermaids to aliens to giants to tunnels on the island that go to nowhere that are like 700 feet deep. So, yeah, I'm not kidding you. So it's like anytime you think you know about the island, the island spits out something fun for you. It's like, you don't really know. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So <laughs> I love the island because it's just really, truly full of mystery and it's deep. Um, 
when I did UFO witness, we did a true test of gauge and they did have a very strange magnetic pull on the backside of the island, which was almost to, I think what Ben and I agreed on, it was like 45% degree change, which that's drastic. That's actually more of a pull than if you have a lightning bolt hit the ground and get a magnetic read from it. So it's very intense on the backside of the island. Like why it's there, I don't know, but it only continues to add to more questions, but also add to the plate of, well, then that feeds into why we have so much activity that goes on the back of the island. Because in 1966, we had uh, Lee Hansen, who was a pilot at the time, was documenting the the island and we have our very first what was believed at the time to be a uso because it was captured it was ufo and it, it's literally called the ufo of of catalina but it goes down on the backside of the island and disappears and so there is no like cave large enough for it to go into and down and under but it would make sense if it was on the backside of the island and went underwater because there's no way that it it either went underwater or it shot off super fast and he did not see it, but it was moving so slow over the backside of the island. It doesn't make sense that all of a sudden it would just, you know, freaking bolt like crazy when it was going so slow. So that footage in question always sparked for me the curiosity. And then you flash forward to like the 80s, early 90s. I, and I, I can't remember the exact date. And she always wanted her name to be kept out. Um, but she was a diver on the back side of the island. And I, I, as a diver, I don't think anyone should dive alone for safety reasons, especially yeah. in shark infested waters. Let's just be seems, seems like a poor choice, but whatever, yeah, you know, right. people yeah, do it. Right. It's okay. My husband would probably do it. Not thinking cause he's a pro diver. Just be like, I'm fine. It's fine. But it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, no judgment, you know? And so she was a very, she was a pro diver. Like she knew what she was doing. But she would go to the backside of the island and she dove quite a lot actually on the backside of the island. But this one particular time she did dive off the backside of the island and she remembers getting her gear on like you do and you jump off the back of the boat and you get into the water. That's all she remembered. That was it. Oh, now, boy. Hours later, she wakes up on her boat still on the backside of the island. Has no idea how she remembers jumping in, but doesn't remember how she got back on the boat in the position she was on the boat. And hours had passed. Well, so we had missing time, which again is in abduction cases. So she oh had God. done regression therapy with Yvonne, who was a known regression therapist at the time for abductees, Yvonne Smith. And um, I actually spoke with Yvonne about this too. And, and, you know, and out of respect for this patient, her name was listed right away when this incident happened. She was bombarded with so much media and so mm. much hate she actually had to move the state mm. and change her name. She's like, oh, don't talk oh about me anymore. Use a false name. I don't want anybody looking for me. And it also shook her up a lot. Like, yeah, when these things happen, especially as a diver, like it really, it blows your mind. But when she was in regression, she recalled jumping into the water, starting her dive, her descent, which diving Catalina is amazing. It's beautiful water. It's You've got seals that'll come up and want to play with you. You've got the kelp forest. It's yeah, you, you have to go. It's incredible. I have a dive buddy okay. there. He'll hook you up. It'll be great. Oh, sweet. Amazing. Um, yeah, he's a good friend. Love him to pieces. And I trust him wholeheartedly. Like I've used him with shows. Like he is, he's really good. Um, but anyway, so she's diving, starting her descent. She's doing what she normally does. And out of nowhere, three beings come up to her underwater in these types of underwater oh. suits with a type of, like she said, I don't know how to explain it, jellyfish type of protection over their head. Like she was trying to describe how they looked, but like they were divers. They didn't talk to her, but they did through tele like um, telepathy. Mm -hmm. And so she basically mm -hmm. said she heard them saying, you know, we've been observing you and you've been doing so well with your diving and you're really adapting to water very well. So they weren't harming her. Yeah, they, well, they actually were complimenting. Just, yeah, like they were there to, <laughs> yeah. to dive with her. Like, please don't fear us. We just want to compliment you on how well you're doing and you're adapting to water so well. So I don't know if in their head they thought she was like a person trying to adapt to water or what the case was, which could mm -hmm. be misidentified on their behalf. Um, but they obviously were water dwelling specimens watching her and they were more or less just saying, you know, good on you. Like you're doing great, you know. And I guess because she started to panic when this was happening, 
they were like, calm down, calm down. And they were seeing that she was getting distressed. And by that, they took her properly out of the water and put her on her boat. So they actually aided to her. Like she did not have a bad experience. They did not do anything to her. They didn't take her anywhere. They were honestly just trying to talk to her. And so this was her regression. And so for me, it was very powerful. But what's so strange is that, oh, there's a yeah, it gets better, is that, and I can't remember the date, so I'm not going to say, but it was not in the 90s. I want to say it was in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. And you guys can Google afterwards and, and shoot me a text and say if I was right or wrong. But I believe it was in the 70s, and it was actually on an oil rig in Russia. So the waters are in the same area per se, if you're going upwards, yeah. So, <laughs> but it was up near like Russia's Siberia, whatever. It was an oil company. Um, and they they give the name of the the Russian company that was working it. Seven guys working on a rig underwater. All seven said three beings underwater came up to us in a type of wetsuit with a jellyfish looking helmet on. <sighs> observing and watching us on the rig. Now I remember reading about Yeah, and that. in their account, one guy, one of the oil rig guys actually died because they made the mistake of, instead of just being like, I don't know what these things are, watching us, like notifying and just being like, whatever, if they're not bothering us, we just don't bother. But two of the guys had to be, I don't know, whatever, heroes that day and guys, decided to freaking go at them for no reason. <sighs> they didn't start anything. They didn't do anything. And it caused a massive fight, it, causing this whole big shenanigans. And- and causing one of them to die. And so it had to be written that this guy accidentally drowned during an incident with the rig. But in truth, the other yeah. six guys were like, no, there were these freaking beings. And they told their head uh, head manager there of what happened. And it was kind of like, we don't speak about this ever again. But oh a couple of the guys much later in life did talk about it because they're like, listen, this is what happened. Like it was kind of like a Travis Walton story. There was too many guys to stay on the same story right. for too long if it didn't happen. So for me, it was very strange that here again, we have similar uh, bodies of beings that are in the water visiting two very different areas, but observing, not aggressively attacking, not doing anything wrong, just watching, Mm -hmm. just watching, not harming, nothing. But I just found it extremely interesting because it's on the backside of the island. (laughs) And then on the backside of the island, we had gotten um, an audio. I want to say it's called the bloop. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was yeah. the bloop. There's the bloop, and then there's one other one. It's not. Listen. <laughs> there's a lot of bloops going on. Is that what's? There's bloop, and then there's one other one, and I want to say it's the other one. There's three that still have not uh-huh. been identified. The one has been sped up. God, it's going to bother me. But they have an audio sound of it that the NOAA has, and they've sped it up, and they're like, we're still trying to figure it out. Could be glacier movement. But where it's at, So where the speaker picked this sound up was actually 3,000 miles off the coast of California in the center between, well, actually, went in between over there, nothing, and Catalina, like on the backside of Catalina heading off into no man's land in the middle of the ocean, like just dead center in the middle of the ocean. Not too far from Shark Cafe going straight down Ooh. but it's it's oh, a very straight, but it sounds mechanical so if you listen to it it almost sounds like especially because it is a little sped up so you hear it a little bit easier the first sound mm-hmm. that you hear is like um a, a sonar sound almost like a submarine but then it, i swear it sounds like if you're listening and watching star wars and the pod bay doors just open and something came shooting out you hear an engine pick up and everything so they were like oh it must be a submarine. So they did their due diligence must, at NOAA, mm-hmm. zero. They had no testing that day. They had no submarines in the water that day. There was nothing. So they're like, okay, well. It's probably a whale. This is fish farting like <laughs> we did with everything else. <laughs> yeah, because they did come out and say on, I think it was the bloop, that they're like, we've discovered that that's fish farting. It's a type of Arctic fish. And I'm like, so you tell me all these years. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, they're huge. Oh, it's not they though. They are That's very large. <laughs> these fish are tiny, and they're like it's all yeah. of them farting. It's all of them like farting. It's simultaneously. Like, what is happening? That's not a thing. <laughs> 
but they, I'm cool with <laughs> like a glacier crack. Time. Exactly. And I'm cool with like a <laughs> glacier crack and like ice shifting and things like that in the water. That I can get. That I can wrap my brain around because the, the sounds that amplify underwater when you hear them, you know, you could hear a yeah. crab gnawing down on a rock underwater and yeah. it's like, it's the yeah, it's the strangest thing. Yeah, everything's magnified. But mm-hmm. I can't the fish we hear fishes farting all the time then. Like are That's, they just yeah. farting fish? Is that just what they're known for? <laughs> like that one guy. It's like Stan at the party. It's yeah. like, oh, sorry guys. Stan, seriously. Yeah. And Again? all the whales are pissed off. Stan. They're like, dude, all the fish are gone now. Like you totally blew the party. Like what why? Like, there are no more yeah. fish left in the you sea, would, like that thing that people exactly. say. hear it all the Come time. On. You would not I'm be able to you. go diving because there would be so much <laughs> farting noises from fish. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling. It's just the dumbest. Look, how loud would that be? <laughs> Some scientific theories. God love them for trying to think stuff up, but I can't. <laughs> Some of them I just can't wrap my brain around. Anyway, just Google it. I I don't want to take too long on that. But just when you get done on the call, you know, if you just type in underwater unidentified sounds by NOAA in it. God, I can't remember that. It's going to bother me. And it's in my lectures, too. But I always go back to the bloop, but it's not the bloop. It's the other one. So if you see bloop, stay away from the bloop. That's farting fish. (laughs) Go to the next one. Leave the room if the bloop happens. (laughs) Stay away. (laughs) I I, when I found that out, I remember telling my son, I'm like, did you make a bloop? Because I was like, this is the dumbest (laughs) stuff I've ever heard in my life. Like (laughs) Well, I I think that's now going to be incorporated into my vernacular (laughs) as well. So Uh, Oh, Oh, that's you're gonna hear that a lot, Tressa. I'll be right back. I have to make a bloop. Like it just it fits so it's like perfect. It just falls in line with everything you need. Oh, it a thousand is, percent does. I can't wrap my brain around it. I can't. I can't. I just and maybe it's possible because it makes I no sense. Know. I know. I now I want to put a megaphone like into a goldfish tank and be like, obviously, <laughs> obviously, this is gonna make my next <laughs> visit to the aquarium so much more interesting. I know. Oh my god, it's gonna make next week so much more interesting. <laughs> Why do you have all those magnets in your pocket? And, and tiny fish. megaphone, and tiny, tiny recorders. Phone. Don't worry about me. Why are you Carry doing this to every fish you see? <laughs> but only the back end. That's weird. Because the Stop NOAA going. says so. That's why. Stop That's trying why to look at the it. fish butts. <laughs> Never. Why do you have that monocle? Fish butts. To get a closer look at the fish butts when they fart. Obviously. <laughs> Hold on. Let me get my magnets out. Oh my God. I'm telling you, it's a funny place. It's, you know, the more research you do and the more you actually spend in the field on this stuff, you're just like, guys, what? Think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But when I yeah, talk about aliens, ocean. that's not real. Okay. Yeah. An octopus is an alien to our planet. So let's not. Let's yes. Oh. Let's talk about Let's octopi. talk about them because they are amazing and yeah. beautiful and fascinating and we don't know anything about them. Why are they so smart and have so much DNA wandering around? What are they doing? And they have no bones. Yeah. No, have bones. no bones. No bones. The only no, bone they have is their beak. Idiots yeah. If their yeah. if their beak can fit into something, so can their body. They blend mm-hmm. into any environment. They adapt into any waters and any environments very easily. Actually, a new study speaking of that, adapting uh, a new study on the plesiosaur a year ago had come out. Yes, I know, Jenny. Uh-huh. I knew you would love this, but uh-huh. because I love the plesiosaur too, so don't feel bad. <laughs> Interestingly enough, they learned based off of a new fossil they found. Could have been a live one. Who knows? But anyway, um, I'm just kidding. I won't go there. I get a lot of people text me being like, I can't believe you still believe this, but I do. Sorry. Mm, I do too. Um, yeah, whatever. But they said, oddly enough, that in part, some of the uh, species of plesiosaur could have adapted and lived in fresh water, if not part of their life or all of their life. Okay. And only traveled through salt water for migration. So I've been saying. <laughs> yeah. So according to a lot of my research, I was like, thank you. Okay. That's when I say like, Let's wake up, science. I was there 10 years ago. I don't know where you were. Yeah. So interesting. Based off one fossil. One fossil. Oh my God. 
I love that so much. So, so and I guess much. it was found off their teeth because there would be only certain vegetation. And like teeth really hold a lot of clues of animals for us. Um, yeah. And it would have only been certain vegetation found in freshwater. Um, and there were other yeah. there were other details to the body that would have and the area in which it was found, basically. I mean, they're still like, I don't know about Loch Ness, though, because that only was formed like 10,000 years ago. But I'm like, yeah, you also know that it has underground tunneling, right? To the ocean. Mm -hmm. So fresh water mm -hmm. is feeding out into the ocean and back. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But no, no. But wow. you're my favorite yeah. person ever because I've been seeing this forever. Come on, yeah. you guys. Catch we have up. crocodiles that have not changed since the prehistoric Jurassic era in a sense of body <laughs> shape, uh, intelligence, yeah. adaption to different waters, different things. And we have freshwater crocodiles. So yeah. if we can have freshwater crocodiles that adapt to both, I, I, I really can't understand why they're like, oh, no, no, no. Not that species, though. It was doomed from the moment it was alive. Like, nope. what the fudge? Uh -uh. Okay. Man. That was like the back to the great white. I had this discussion. There are interesting areas of our earth that have warmer water the deeper you go into the ocean. So it's mm -hmm. like it'll be warm, cold, warm, right? So, and I know that I think the Meg even tapped on this. So, way to go to you, Meg, the movie. Proud of you. <laughs> but um, it's, I mean, that's a true scientific study. They haven't tapped into it, they don't know what's beneath it. And then I understand why they're afraid to tap kind of that area. Mm -hmm. You don't know what kind of volcanic issues we might have or what mm. could displace certain things in the ocean. So I understand the right. science of why we have to be very cautious in some areas when exploring. But for me, it's like, just because you find a specimen doesn't mean we know everything about it based off bones, right? We theorize and we yeah. speculate what we do based off of the information we have based on other marine life. But that doesn't mean that it wouldn't have adapted much like a lot of our specimens of species on this planet has. So for me, I've always believed mm -hmm. when it came to Megalodon that if it was a warm water specimen like other, other sharks, that during the adaption of different ice age periods and things like that, it would have needed to go further, deeper to find warmer waters or different areas on our planet to find and search for those waters. And a specimen that large could eat whale just fine. You know, it doesn't, mm -hmm. no, it wouldn't even know like one will not. Nobody would even think twice. Not like we're out there counting every whale every day. This does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> like as much as science wants yeah, to make us think it. they do. <laughs> no. <laughs> I beg to differ. So, and I always, I just always thought it was interesting. I'm like over a, a short period of time or at least in a decent amount of time, as far as if you go off the evolutionary table of their existence, that long period of time, they could have adapted to different water temperatures very easily, depending on what was happening ecologically with, within our own planet. You know, you, you kind of force certain mammals and animals to thrive, to survive. We do that every day when we're mm -hmm. devastating forces and moving animals out of their homes. We're pushing them into an uncomfortable place to thrive. So they have to figure it out. The weak will unfortunately die off, but the strong will survive. And the Megalodon was the apex. Like why, right. you know, and I understand it's like, well, it wouldn't have had enough resource to food. Why? It had whales. Like even back yeah. then we had right. whales. Mm -hmm. This doesn't make any sense to me. And land continued to shift and areas began to melt. Animals that unfortunately got stuck in positions that would have been a hearty meal just drifting about. So yep. there are plausible holes there that I like to fill because that's me. So no, I love I like it. Yeah, I love it. Because like, how can you not start thinking about those things? You you hear, oh, it's too big. And like, what would it survive on? Like, bro, there are so many huge things like at the bottom of the ocean, like in the very, very deep waters. Come yep. on. Like a yep. sperm whale goes down to like chase after like a giant squid or something along those lines. Like, yep. you don't know if that he's never coming back up. Existed. Exactly. Maybe he got two for did. one deal. The whale got the squid. <laughs> The Meg got everything. I'm telling you, there's just, it's, you know, it baffles the mind and it's, it's the Western science mentality of if it doesn't, if it's not documented, it doesn't exist. And, mm -hmm. you know, yes. for me, that's, it's just, that's not rational thinking. And it's kind of everything against yeah. science because science is supposed to be out of the box and, and constantly pushing the boundaries of, of age of numbers. And is it possible that these animals could exist or this person could have existed at this time? So I just get really annoyed but it's fascinating that there's like all these accounts of sea creatures and we immediately go well that's not what it is that's a whale carcass it's like that does not look mm -hmm. like a whale carcass to me because mm -hmm. i've been to a museum i've seen whale carcasses <laughs> mm -hmm. that ain't it i've never seen a whale 
are you going to make this up on me now? Are you going to make up that this was a lineage yep. of this one said, and you're just going to make a drawing and we yep. have to believe that now. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That and you finest. think about how much, yeah, <laughs> how much we find out even about ourselves. I mean, you know, yeah. we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. We, we went from like having a couple of, you know, genetic like splinters off of, you know, homo sapiens. Like we were one of like three or four and now there's like eight or nine, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's growing. And, and it's all the time. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and there was an article too that came out regarding Ireland that you can you can look it up. It's really fascinating. These bones were discovered in a limestone cave in the 1930s um, and basically put in a crate. And it was one of those like, oh, when somebody gets around to dating these or looking at these, we'll get to them. You know, and unfortunately that's like Masonian, which don't get me started about them uh, and their freaking cover-ups and giants and stuff. But you know, there's crates and, and warehouses that people don't even realize exist. And so they finally were basically talked to this one laboratory and told this one's head scientist, we're giving you a bunch of these bones and just go through them and date them. And so she's like, okay, whatever. Long story short, she finds a elk bone from the ancient elk that used to roam in Ireland. And she was examining it and come to find out the markings on the bone were not of a predatory animal killing it. What the marks were, were an actual tool that had <sighs> hacked into it. So she was able to determine that it was an actual tool. Now, here's the kicker. She made sure, and I, this is another part that I'm like, why couldn't you just run to your team and be like, guys, if I'm right, this is amazing. So give me about a week. But if I'm right, she couldn't do that. She yeah. had to make sure her data was in place and everything was right before she presented to her, her lab colleagues, right? So she mm. took two weeks, even for herself to kind of wrap her brain around it because it actually predates human interaction over 30,000 years on the, ah. on the island of Ireland, which also changes the history of the European island on what people actually were exploring where and when at what time. And so. everyone was like, yeah. So for her, it was very exciting because mm -hmm. it predates yeah. anything that they thought they knew. And I think that it's interesting versus our American science versus European science it's almost like they're more open to it. Like they find it so intriguing and they want to eat it up and like immediately go tell everyone and rewrite everything. And then like, it almost seems like America science like, well, it's <laughs> a lot of paperwork. That's a yeah. lot of work to have to just put that away. That didn't, that we didn't, yeah. we're not predating yeah. shit. Put that away. <laughs> like, that's that's not, you know, just, we, we, if we want to get some adventurous new volunteer to work on that, fine. But now this is not lining up with what we've, guys, this is like 120 years of work. I'm not sending the time <laughs> to do that. You know, so it was just fascinating to me that here's this amazing discovery, you know, like, so even though to like this happened last year, so we think we know, but we still don't. And we're still yes. learning. And that's the fascinating thing about it. So I've never in any aspect of my career ever said, I know everything. Like ask me, I know it all because oh, no. I don't. And that's the best part about it. I don't, I'm still learning new stuff every day and I love it. I love it. Being wrong sometimes is the best because then <laughs> you get to learn something. Oh, I didn't know about that. I yeah. didn't think about it that way. Like it's, oh man, yeah. And who can trust someone who says they know everything? Well, all you the time? can trust like, me no. when I say it. Uh, <laughs> I yes, I do. You are very smart. A woman I'm that not. carries magnets and in I... her pockets is a very smart woman. Okay, listen, just... there's going to be a lot of magnets purchased by this lady. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, science surplus. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> so awesome! It's like Jenny. How come behind every picture in your house you have magnets? What is what is this? I'm not trying to attract anything. Uh, not land sharks, for sure. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Jenny's out there calling for tornadoes, hoping that it just this is for real. We're having a sharknado at Jenny's house. This, this is, is gonna happen. happening. This, this is, is gonna, gonna happen. happen. You're in the Midwest, Jenny. What are you thinking? I've been sleeping know. on this forever. My God. <laughs> Out of hand. Listen, we are so out of time, and we didn't even get to touch on so many things I, I know. know that we wanted to talk about. <laughs> Brittany agreed to be back with us every week. For the she next is now our Thank new co-host, and uh, we love her, and we're now going to be best friends, and we're going to go do adventure things, and then call Tressa. Yes. <laughs> Wait, what? I can't go? Oh. All right. <laughs>
It's outside. That's fine. I don't want to go outside. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's hilarious. Man. No, I will definitely come back. Absolutely. Because I would love to talk about giants with you guys. I saw the background yes. picture of Lovelock Cave. So absolutely. For sure. Yes. Yes. Please. Brittany, please plug everything that you need to plug to get people to see all of your things. Oh, gosh. I, uh, <laughs> um, I have a website. I do my best to try and keep up on my website. I am horrible on it. Um, I do like to update when I do these types of podcasts so people can watch me or interact or whatever. Um, you can go to www.brittanybarbieriofficial.com. That's my personal website. You can email me directly through there if you have any questions or whatever. I can get messages through it. And I try and update it. I'm sorry if it's a little lagging. I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I have I have social pages, of course. I have uh, my Facebook is, you know, I barely on. I'm horrible. I told you, Jenny. I'm like, I'm so sorry. No, Friggin that's it's. I fine. have family I that's like, worse. are you alive? I'm like, guys, I am. Yes, call me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. so sorry. But Instagram, you can find me at handle Brit underscore investigates. That's my professional page. If you want to interact with me as like an every day to day mom in the paranormal, I have a page called the paranormal mama. Um, oh. And I share just funny every day to days because I share the paranormal with my kids and I never know what they're going to say. So I just, <laughs> you know, I like to have fun because I think the paranormal field needs to have some fun. And I like people to realize Agreed. I'm a human. I might be yes, on TV yes. or do stuff, but I am still a human being and I'm a mom. And that's my job. Yes. So I like to be level with people and and like be real. So you can interact with me on both. I'm very active on both. And then I also co-host um, something I started uh, mid last year with uh, two girlfriends of mine. One ended up needing to go off because she's writing books. So I'm so proud of her. Yeah, nice. she's killer. Um, and then my other friend Carolina and I are the host ladies on Disclosure Ladies. And we only talk about the UFO topics. Um, and we cover that mm. underneath the Disclosure team. So be sure to hook up with the Disclosure team, like and follow them, and then also follow Disclosure Ladies. We cover all things in the UFO, UAP, I hate that term. UAP. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. We refuse it. Okay, real we quick. have yeah. taken a hard it, stance. That yeah. No. Yes. It's just old white men are like, I don't want to say UFO. That's weird. No. And you know what? If you don't want to say it, don't yeah. talk about it. Get out yeah. Stick with the UFO. Yeah. We don't need a new term for this. I, I know. Well, that's the hard thing is, is like, so real quick, they, they used to do that in-house, like in the military when pilots would see things, they would call mm -hmm. them UAPs and unidentified um, aerial phenomenon because the pilots were like, mm -hmm. I'm seeing something. I really, I'm not really sure because sometimes it could be identified as Venus. And so sometimes it's really strange up there. You can get clouds that make strange formations with different light fixtures. So I can understand why in internally they mm -hmm. were like, okay, guys, we're going to call us because we don't know atmospheric if something is causing this until we have yeah. physical, you know, like, oh shit, they Makes just took so down Jim's sense. plane. Right. And then yeah. in 2017, it was just like, we need to move away from the stigma. So now we're just going to only use the military term. And it's like, no, no, no. This isn't mm -hmm. a phenomenon when we're looking at a spherish mm -hmm. silver ball. That's an object. That's a full-blown unidentified. Anything that's flying in our atmosphere, that's an object that's not identified. It's a UFO. It doesn't yep. matter if it's a jellyfish, Thank a balloon, you. or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So I've made that stance a long time. Yes. Yeah. The only way to get rid of stigma around something is not to change the terminology it's to make the terminology more commonplace thank you well said jenny you're welcome. well said i agree a hundred percent a hundred if i had my monocle right now see this is a perfect moment for the monocle when she could just put that puppy on and make that statement mm -hmm. take us back to the 1930s explorers of universities i'm telling you i'm right. telling you I know see. I'm getting her for her birthday. <laughs> then she has to be like, listen, see, I've got a story to tell you. Just sit down. I'm going to call the, Gatsby. The dog's name was Indy. That's right. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> listen, they haven't seen those skulls in years. I don't know what you're <laughs> That is a flawless, it's flawless accent. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Beautiful. Appreciate that. I know where the skulls are. They're also at your house, but that's okay. Oh, Jenny, yes. what have you I have a crawl me? space. I needed something. <laughs> I saw that crawl space. I didn't I see skulls in the corner. They're hidden in the corner. I'm not going to see the TikTok in there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm, I'm, not, I'm never on TikTok. I have an account. No. And I like never use it because it's so much fake mm -hmm. stuff and they confuse people yeah. so much with the fake stuff that they put out. And I'm like, 
Guys, let me show you that video. That's actually yeah. from like 97 that they're adding AI to. Now. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Um, uh -huh. It's clickbait. I got rid of mine because I just I kept going read. and I was like, but it's no, man. Mm -hmm. So bummed out. Yeah. Instagram is still pretty good about that stuff. I got to give them to mm -hmm. them. They will now like they show those videos, but then you're kind of like, wait a minute. I think I saw that on TikTok, <laughs> you know, like now you've starting to put it two and two together where Instagram's still pretty. <laughs> it's still pretty good about it. And I stay yeah. pretty open on mine. I just I like to have fun. So. Yeah. But yeah, those are the areas you can contact me, get involved with me. And I do have some stuff going on, but I am not allowed to talk about it yet. And so when I Ooh. can, I, of course, will. Um, always up to something. Yes. It's me. But yeah. Be right I back. like it. Yeah. Yeah. You never know what I might be up to. Hey. <laughs> oh, mysterious. I like it so much. Yeah. Most me of the time, it's adventures. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for joining us. We will see you next week. And uh, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and thank you, Brittany, so much for joining us. Thank you I so much. Of course. I'm, I'd be happy to come back. So for Yay! Sure. Oh, you yes. must. I mean, it's I'm delighted. Plan. It's in my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> in my calendar. <laughs> I hope I got the email. <laughs> yeah, we'll get no, it at some point. It's All right. It. It. <laughs> okay. Okay, bye, bye everybody. everybody.